Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name. I want us to think for a moment about three, uh, three scriptures. The first one is very familiar. You don't need to turn to it. It is Psalm 23 and the first verse that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So the psalmist is describing the the true uh, shepherd of our souls as one who meets needs. And this shepherd is strong and he is kind and he is able. And the psalmist is saying that while I am a sheep, while I'm a follower of this shepherd, that he lacks nothing. The psalmist lacks for nothing. I shall not want. Another verse I want to uh, think about is in Ephesians, the third chapter and verse 20. And we're familiar with this one too, but you can turn to it. It's at the end of uh, one of Paul's prayers. And he says, he prayed, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. This shepherd is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine. God is immeasurably able to do. The uh, the third verse that I want us to consider is in James chapter 4. We were in James this morning, third chapter. And it's part of the second verse, James 4. Yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And if we include verse 3, it says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts but especially for the moment, ye have not because ye ask not. So that reminds us uh, to think, how much do we ask of God? Do we ask, do we ask? Or do we fix things ourselves? Or look elsewhere for our help? Or just worry? or fret about things. You know, in Matthew 14, we have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And there was a need. There was a crowd of hungry people there. But the disciples didn't go to Jesus and say, feed us, Lord. Would you feed us? Would you feed this crowd of hungry people? But it appears that they ask other people, like they did a little survey among the thousands 
to see what food might be available. Do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything? And they found a little, a small lunch. But Jesus worked a miracle and he fed a multitude. So a need was met. God, our Lord Jesus, was able to do that, immeasurably able to supply abundantly. There was food left over that they gathered up. So I look at my own life and I look around myself and and, uh, what needs do I have? What needs do we have? And Jesus said, you will always have the poor among you. And the writers of the New Testament talked about problems, talked about needs, like there would, would always just always be needs. But, but do some of these lacks exist because we haven't asked? That's what is good for us to think about. Do some of these needs, are some of these needs in my life and some of these lacks and around me, uh, are they, do they exist because I haven't taken them to the Father? That we haven't asked seriously? Or could it be that we're not really noticing lacks? Or we're not seeing things as God sees them? Maybe we're not identifying needs that God says are needs. So could it be that sometimes lacks and needs are a rebuke to us? Like James said, and this was feels like a rebuke. Ye have not because ye ask not. Calling their attention to shortcomings and at least one reason why they were there. I'd like to, in our, in our time this morning, think about prayer. I want to think about our prayer requests. You know, what are things we can pray for? Are there some things that are okay and some things we better not? And I'd like to think about our priorities in, in prayer, could, could our prayers show something about our spiritual maturity? And what are our motives in prayer? Our motives are important to be effective in prayer. And then I want to touch a little bit on disappointments in prayer. What's wrong? Is something wrong when when nothing happens or nothing seems to happen. Let's first think about our prayer requests. What are legitimate prayer requests? Can we pray about anything? Should we pray about everything? Turn to Philippians 4 and let's look at a couple verses there. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. I'm not saying anything new to us this morning. This is a a review. And it's a review for me. (coughs) 
Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing. Let your requests be made known. That's what Paul wrote to us. And I take that to mean that I understand this to say that we can take anything to God in prayer. Anything that would trouble us is a legitimate prayer request. Another translation, Phillips says it this way, don't worry over anything whatsoever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. So don't worry about anything whatsoever. I, I saw this somewhere. I don't remember where I saw it. Nothing is too great for his power. Nothing too small for his fatherly care. Nothing is too great for God's power. Nothing too small for his fatherly care. And we sing. We sing songs about God providing for us. We sing what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Now that song was written by somebody who was, was dealing with a great grief. Uh, Joseph Scriven, he wrote this after the death of his fiancee just weeks before they were to be married. And it was a great personal calamity in his life. But uh, he's, so he's, that was something he was certainly praying about. But he's, he's calling us to pray, to remember to pray for the small things too. Those little things that fret and worry us. Everything to God in prayer. Now notice in Philippians, <coughs> excuse me, Philippians there, it also says with thanksgiving. I believe that faith and thanksgiving are, are linked together. We have faith in God. We have confidence in his love. We have confidence in his power. And we, we want to be thankful even as we lay out our burden. We want to be thankful that God hears and that God cares and that God works. And gratefulness is also a result of believing and trusting prayer. And it is with real faith and fervent prayer that we can experience a peace that passes understanding. You know, just to hand something to God is a, is a comfort. It's, it's a comfort that we can't just manufacture 
So our prayer burdens may be material things sometimes, physical needs, give us this day our daily bread. That's what Jesus taught the disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I think it was broader than, than our meals, but things that we need, physically need for life. And we're not to fear or worry about those things. And it was in the context of physical needs that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that God cares about flowers and God cares about birds and much more he cares for us. And it was in the context of persecution, of potential harm that could come to, to our bodies or the bodies of disciples of Jesus. He was talking about those who would, would uh, persecute and even kill his disciples. And he said to his disciples, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but not the soul, but rather fear God who can destroy both body and soul. And it was in that context that he says in Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, without your father knowing, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. So food, clothing, shelter, safety, protection, sickness, healing, all of those are prayer requests that are good for us to pray about. God would want to hear from us about those needs in our life. Then there are spiritual needs that we are burdened about, should be burdened about. Maybe it's a personal need for forgiveness or mercy or strength or victory in the face of temptation for just spiritual growth. And, and we're encouraged in Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we need wisdom, and we're encouraged in the Scripture uh, to ask for wisdom. We saw that in James a couple weeks ago. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And Paul's prayers are, are uh, packed with concern and petition for other people uh, in, his, in the epistles that he writes. We read numbers of his prayers. So whether it's material needs, whether it's spiritual concerns, we bring them to God. It is good to bring them to God. And God is listening. Then priorities in prayer. <clears throat> uh, just something to think about. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said at the end of chapter 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Now there we have uh, two areas of uh, prayer requests or categories that we can be concerned about and pray about. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, the spiritual things. And he says we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things are in another group. They shall be added unto you. And I think this verse may put God's perspective on priorities in our prayer, the spiritual versus the material. If, if the kingdom of God and righteousness is our first concern and our greatest concern, then that should certainly be um, a, a special burden in our times of prayer. And then decisions about, you know, a car, mechanical problem on the car or a sickness or, you know, replacing the roof or just whatever, the grocery bills, all those things. We certainly should pray about those things. And I believe that uh, living in the real world, I mean, now wait a minute, that, that isn't right. The spiritual is real, but living in the physical world, that's what I'm meaning to say, is, uh, and how we live in the physical world and with the physical things is part of kingdom living here on the earth. So it is together. It certainly is because we want to have a spiritual outlook on the way we look and deal with the uh, physical things. But if we only pray about the sick people and our uh, physical needs, maybe there's a lack of balance between um, the spiritual and the material things. Turn to uh, Luke uh, 11. Luke 11, another familiar passage. I think all of the scriptures that I'm looking at are familiar ones. <clears throat> Begin at verse uh, 9. In, verse, in Luke 11, verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now we have there an encouraging uh, passage, uh, and, and it's a picture of promise, of God's promise. It shall be given. Ye shall find. It shall be opened. It tells us, this; these verses tell us that that the Father gives, that the Father answers. But it's also a picture of desire. It's a picture of prayer. Ask and seek and knock. 
And we look at the prayers of Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Asking and seeking and knocking in relation to spiritual growth and to a closer walk with God. And he uh, gives promises that, uh, that he will give the Holy Spirit of the best gift, the Holy Spirit and all that's involved with that gift to them that ask him. So there's an asking and a seeking and a knocking for the things that are important for everything, but especially for the things that are most important. And God is a giving God who answers and supplies. Now contrast that picture with, with uh, the, uh, the, the verse in, uh, in Revelation. You don't have to turn to it in um, Revelation 3, where in the letter to the Laodicean church, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So there you have Jesus knocking on the heart's door of a Laodicean church member, <coughs> desiring entrance to them and desiring communion with them. But the Laodiceans we read in the letter, they feel that they are rich. They are increased with goods and they have need of nothing and they are satisfied and they are lukewarm in their desire, in their interest. So what kind of prayer priorities do they have? What will be on this Laodicean church members' prayer list? Does he have a prayer list? Does he pray? Now having spiritual priorities means that we search our hearts too for obstacles to fellowship with God. Search me, O God. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And when we have the right priorities, we have the help of the Holy Spirit and we could, uh, we could turn to Romans 8 where the Spirit helps us even in our prayers. The Spirit helpeth our infirmity. It says in uh, Romans 8 and uh, let's see, verses 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints. The Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know really how to pray sometimes, often maybe. And the Spirit helps us. We don't see Him doing our praying, 
That's not what he's teaching. He's not replacing us at prayer so we can rise from our knees, but he is praying with the earnest Christian and he maketh intercession for us, help for us from above. And he sees the desire, he searches the hearts of men and he sees what desire is there and he sees what sincerity is there and what longings and he makes intercession according to God's will. He listens and clarifies is the picture I get. You know, sometimes grandparents hear their, listen to their grandchild tell a story, maybe a younger grandchild, and they don't quite catch what they're saying. But the mom can interpret, or maybe an older brother or sister. And the Spirit stirs our desires for God to worship to plead, and the Spirit uh, works in us to pray according to God's will. Because sometimes, sometimes we ask for stones and serpents and scorpions when God would want to give us better things. Our our motives, our purpose in prayer. That's important. We'll look at that a little bit. I believe that it is important that we pray with a right motive before God. You know, you read through the prayers of the righteous or when they're talking about God and His works among men, there's there's a common thread that we see through their prayers. In His name, for His sake, for his glory, for his name's sake. And, okay, I'll just give you a couple examples from the scripture. Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. He blessed the people and he said in 1 Kings 8, verse 60, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. That That was his prayer. That was the motive of his prayer. And Elijah on Mount Carmel, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. He didn't pray, hear me, O Lord, and answer my prayer so people will be impressed with prophet Elijah. But rather that they may know that thou art the Lord God. God. And we can find uh, many examples. What would have happened um, to David's prayer, to Elijah's prayer, Solomon's prayer, Hezekiah's prayer, Paul's prayers? If, if they would have prayed for, their, for themselves selfishly, for their own greatness and for their own reputation and honor. When we pray, when we understand how we're praying in His name and for His sake and for His glory, you know, we pray in the name of Jesus. We often put that in our prayers. And it is right that we do. But we should think about what we're saying. It means that we are praying by His authority. 
that God, that God has authorized his disciples to pray, to ask. It's, he's granted to us the right, the privilege, the authority to ask. I am his child. I can ask my father. It means that we are asking under his authority, that we are submitted to the master and we want what he wants. And it means we are praying for his will, in his will, how he chooses for his glory, for his credit and praise and not man's. And it is not a, prayer is not a license for carnal fulfillment. You've, you've read about the health and wealth and the name it and claim it approach and the the scandals of such praying and often of such prayers. The psalmist says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now people that are delighting in the Lord are delighting in the things of the Lord. And the desires of their heart are the desires of the Lord. And that will affect how they pray and what they pray for. What about disappointments in prayer? When God doesn't seem to be doing anything nothing seems to be happening, is something the matter? Well, it may be. It may be me. We saw where in James 4, 3, that there can be wrong motives, wants, desires, uh, maybe a right request, but a wrong motive. You ask, you lust and have not because you ask not and you ask amiss, you're asking selfishly from James 4. It could be a lack of submission on my part. I'm not really obeying God. If you read uh, chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John, you see often their love, love for God and God's love. And it's linked with obey, often love and obey, and I'll give you, I'll answer your prayers. Love me, obey me, and I'll answer your prayers. Ask what you will. You don't have time to look at those, but you read through John 14 through 16, and you'll see that pretty often. If we regard iniquity, if there's sin, Regard iniquity in my heart is the way the psalmist said it. The Lord will not hear us. Or it can be a lack of faith. Ask in faith nothing wavering, we saw in James 1. And sometimes we can wonder, you know, do I really have faith? What is faith? I mean, do I really have faith? God help thou mine unbelief. I think that true faith is number one, always believing that God can, that God is able. We saw those verses. God is abundantly able. 
So we always believe that God can. In some cases, we can believe that God will answer the way we pray, that God will answer the way we ask, that it is God's will that we be forgiven, you know, for my salvation and those kinds of spiritual needs. God will uh, forgive our sins and God will save us. And sometimes we have to, we pray earnestly and we pray. I think about this in, um, in, in praying for healing and anointing services and, and many things actually, but we, we pray and we present, but we leave it with God, believing that he will do a good thing. He will do the best. He will do well. We can trust him and we can entrust ourselves to him. So faith isn't believing that I can lay out something here and say, God, will you take this mountain and move it from rustbird to glass and, and just know that that's going to happen. I am believing that God can take a mountain from rustbird and put it in Gladys somewhere. But, you know, what would be my motive for a prayer like that? And maybe I'm not understanding even what God wants to do. And it would be better. God can do great things. God has done great miracles. He certainly has in the answer in, in response to people's prayers. But there are things that are that we just leave with God to do. And the, remember, we, we noticed there in Romans 6, well, we didn't look at it very closely or long, but how God's Spirit intercedes with us according to uh, God's will. So those are some things that, you know, can affect us in our prayers. But don't be discouraged. We pray. If it's something we know that is wrong, about us that is making our prayers ineffective, we should absolutely get those things straightened out. But it may not just be me that I'm not hearing an answer or not seeing an answer to a prayer. It may be others. It may be their sin. It may be their faithfulness, faithlessness. See, it can be other people too. It may be that God's timing is different. How promptly did Jesus go to, uh, to see Lazarus in John 11? You know, it was several days later. He was already dead. And he had gotten word that Lazarus is sick. And days passed. It was two days till he decided to go. Then there was travel time. So it was at least three days from the request, at least, and to the eyes of Mary and Martha and the friends of Lazarus, it was way too late. But it was all in God's timing. God's timing may be different. And then a fourth thing, it may be that God's will is otherwise. I've already touched on that. It may be God saying no. First John 5 says, if we ask anything in his will, 
he heareth us. Deuteronomy 3, uh, Moses, you know, God had told him that he could not enter the promised land. Moses wanted to enter the promised land. And even after he heard what God said, he felt to approach God and ask him, can I, would you allow me, Lord, to enter the promised land? And God said, no. Well, that was an answer to his prayer, wasn't it? God said, no. And further, God said, don't ask again. So Moses knew that was settled. Remember also Paul's thorn in the flesh that was a bother to him. And he asked God three times uh, whether that could be removed. And God said, no, I have a reason for it being there. It's a teacher, Paul. It'll, it's a reminder. And Paul accepted that. Paul was blessed with that thorn. That thorn was not a curse after all. It may have been a hindrance. It may have been an aggravation. But God had answered him. God had answered his prayer. And this was a reminder. It was a blessing. It was not a curse to Paul. So we've been thinking about prayer. And we noticed uh, in those verses at the beginning about needs and why maybe some of those needs are there. So if I'm not making the spiritual progress that God would like to see in me, am I praying? Enough about that. Is my home what it ought to be? My marriage? Are we praying? Our church. Is our church what it ought to be? Are we concerned about weaknesses we see in our, in our church? Are we praying? Or our lost neighbors? Are we praying for them? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think. God is very able, that's in the context of the church that that prayer is prayed. And James has this kind of rebuke. You have not because ye ask not. Could it be? Could it be true that we are abundantly blessed because you ask? because we ask. And the lacks be fewer. The lacks in our hearts, in our families, in the church, 
around us would be fewer because we ask. May God hear us pray. Shall we have a song?